0: versus uh, Joel Wetch. It's a case in which we, uh, we issued an opinion in August of 2017, uh, but the Supreme Court has uh, remanded it with uh, instructions to uh, consider whether it's recent, more recent decision in a case called um, um, Janus uh, should affect our prior decision. And so we've asked the council to, uh, and they have provided some help on, on that question. And we'll hear more today. Uh, so Mr. Sandifer,
1: Thank you, Your Honor, and may it please the Court. Janice makes two points clear that uh, are necessary to showing why this court's previous decision in this case can no longer stand. First, Janice demonstrates that the freedom of association standard, the, the standard of scrutiny that's applicable here, is the exacting scrutiny standard, which requires that before Mr. Fleck can be compelled to join the State Bar Association, the state must demonstrate that there is no substantially less restrictive method for it to attain its uh, compelling government interest. And second, Janice makes clear that the consent that the state must obtain from attorneys must be clear, affirmative, and prior to any attempt to collect the dues from attorneys. Now, on that, it's that second point I'd like to start out with because it seems to be the main focus of a lot of the briefing here, and that's this question about the opt-in versus opt-out standard on the dues form that attorneys are required to fill out. Janus makes clear that the opt-in to be constitutionally valid means that the uh, the form an attorney is signing amounts to a waiver of First Amendment rights. And therefore, the consent must satisfy the standard that applies to the waiver of constitutional rights. And that means the government bears the burden of proving by clear and convincing evidence of, that the person knowingly and intelligently is waiving the constitutional right. And the form that S-Band uses fails to accomplish this. It begins with, in prominent print, Annual license fee, $380. Have
2: have you conceded that the form itself is not confusing, that it's straightforward?
1: No, Your Honor. I don't believe that I have conceded that. Our view is that the form itself is confusing because it begins, it's inherently confusing to start out with the presumption that a person is willing to waive constitutional rights unless that person takes a step back, takes the, undertakes the effort to dissociate himself, which fails, inherently fails the constitutional standard after Janus. This form begins with the $380 presumption that you are willing to acquiesce in the non-chargeable expenses and requires you to take a step back. And as a result, inadvertence could result in the waiver. Inadvertence or failure to read carefully could result in the charge. And that fails to satisfy the state's obligation to prove by clear and convincing evidence that the person knowingly and intelligently chose to waive that right. The second thing that Janus requires here is that the consent be affirmative. That is, that it not be passive or negative. This form fails to accomplish that because it presumes the person is willing to say yes, willing to participate, willing to join, unless that person takes the step back. It forces a person to disassociate. And that means it presumes association in violation of the Janus rule. And thirdly, Janus requires that the consent be obtained prior to an attempt to collect money, and prior to means not bef- not after and not simultaneous with. This form does, fails to accomplish. You
0: yourself said that the form the, the form had the way you stated the problem initially can, implicitly can presume that you can you can comply with Janus in the form you file along with your payment.
1: I'm not sure I quite understand, Your Honor's point.
0: Well, this prior to, you, you're, you're saying there has to be a two-step procedure? Yes, Your Honor, that's right. That's, that's ridiculous. I, I don't think it is you uh, ridiculous. Well, the Supreme your Court R- doesn't do ridiculous things like d- that. I agree. And it's not, in the, it's not
1: in Janus. Janus requires that the consent be prior to, and prior to means before. It cannot mean simultaneous with Where do you or do you after. get that? Because that's just prior what the word... To,
0: prior to must, it must categorically mean before and not contemporary. That's simply the meaning
1: of the word, Your Honor, and it's not particularly burdensome on the state. Any and
0: <clears> citation <throat> for that from dictionary or Supreme Court?
1: Uh, yes, Your Honor, I would cite to the dictionary, although I don't have that citation present. But the, this is not a particularly burdensome... Thing for the state to accomplish. The state, for example, if it sends a bill by email, you hit a click-through button. And then it sends you to PayPal, and you hit the button to pay your dues. That would be a two-step process. It'd be a very simple matter for the state to accomplish. The state could, in fact, satisfy this two-step process with an addition rule that says, your due, your basic dues are such and such. And if you wish to also consent to uh, contributing to our funds.
0: I didn't mean to make you linger on your weakest point. So. That you respond answered my question.
1: Yes, Your Honor. I'm, my, my point here is that an addition process would satisfy this two step So you're going to linger anyway. No, Your Honor. My, I wanted to finish my point. the The point here is a simple baseline point. The question is, where do we draw the baseline? The baseline after Janus must be that the person is presumed not to agree, not to consent, unless that person takes a step and and demonstrates by clear and convincing evidence that the person is willing to join and participate. And those three elements of Janus contribute to that main point. The reason why S-band must lose here is because it draws the baseline at a person's acquiescence. A, will, a person's willing to participate until that person takes a step back because of the presumption that the p- applies here.
2: So you're, you're saying the presumption is on, is on the form, because you have, have to agree that you, it's an affirmative act, whatever you write out your check for.
1: Oh, certainly. It's an affirmative act to be an attorney. But that's not what Janice well, requires. Janus well, re- no,
2: I mean, an affirmative act in what you are paying and what you are agreeing to pay.
1: Once, the, once you have chosen what amount is applicable and then you fill out the, the check, of course, writing out a check is an affirmative act. But it's not what Janus con, con, is contemplating when it refers to an affirmative act. The affirmative act Janus refers to is your choice to participate, your choice to waive your
0: right not to participate. Now and now you understand that Janus was dealing with non-members. Yes, your honor. And all of this was saying about that had to be this was when when you have to get an, that you have to get consent from non-members. Here we are dealing with members. Yes, that's right, your honor. Well, the process is inevitably going to be different. Well, and, certainly and the <clears throat> and the the obligation to reach out separately to get consent in the in the union non-member situation is 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 not well, Your Honor, if I'm... Not, that's not the same relationship you have here. Well, Your Honor,
1: it's true that Janice dealt with unions, and, and this case deals with lawyers, and so there are going to be... With differences.
0: non-members. That was the point. I wasn't... Certainly. I didn't care... This is dealing with non-members and dealing with members is inherently different.
1: Certainly, Your Honor. But the point is that even under the present law, even under Keller, for example, that requirement is already applicable. The, the bar is already required to ask, member, or ask attorneys first before it proceeds, in that case, to spend the money on political activities. So this is not really imposing a severe burden on, on the state bars, and it's not going further than Janice's principles apply. Janus, it's, of course, true that there are going to be differences between attorneys and unions, but the principles of Janus with regard to opt-in, opt-out, and to pr- the waiver of constitutional rights also apply here. Now, uh, talking briefly about the, the, uh, the mandatory membership requirement, once again, the requirement here is exacting scrutiny. The government cannot compel membership unless, <clears throat> it, can, unless it can prove that it cannot attain its... So
0: what's, what's the case you rely on for that?
1: Well, Your Honor Janus specifically held. No, Janice.
0: Janus did not deal with the membership issue.
1: No, but it said that any restriction on associational freedoms must satisfy the exacting scrutiny requirement. And compelling a person to join a bar association as a condition of practicing law means an imposition on a person's
0: associational freedoms. And the fact... You're you're taking dict... It wasn't dict... Introductory... Uh, paragraph from from uh, Janus that repeated a similar paragraphs in Harris and Knox. None of those cases involve uh, the membership, not a subsidization. They all involve subsidization questions.
1: Yes, that's your that is true, Your Honor. All right, the so question membership membership vel non issue is different. It it of course it's different, but the the point here is that the principles and, and it
0: compelled and number of justices in Lathrop thought it was. Uh, Conclusively different. That's true. At a time when, when. What do we have that goes, about, goes away from that?
1: The fact that Janus has made clear that exacting scrutiny is the standard of scrutiny that's applicable here, whereas.
0: Subsidization questions.
1: It, it also it applies to freedom of association. That's what Janus says. And that is said in all of the freedom of association cases that have been decided recently. Uh, uh, you're Hurley, con- for you're example.
0: you familiar with the last paragraph in Keller.
1: I am, Your Honor, that says that this question Keller, has been reserved. Keller
0: says we don't decide
1: That's that. correct. And Lathrop did address this question. The plurality decision, Lathrop did address this question, but it did so under rational basis scrutiny. It but, said,
0: but, "But wait, our question—the question for us—is does Janus require us to ignore your prior concession that Keller applied, and somehow revisit the issue? And how can we? How can we do that without?" Uh, We've got to construe that last paragraph in Keller as being something other than what it said. We, haven't, we aren't considering this issue. No, on your Therefore, I, Janus didn't consider it. I'm sorry, it. I'm saying that the last paragraph in Keller does,
1: is, it, is part of our position, which is that this is an open question. It was addressed by the plurality in Lathrop under rational basis scrutiny. Janus makes clear that that is no longer the applicable basis, standard okay, of scrutiny.
0: It's, it's, but if Keller left it open, what is the meaning of the remand to us? To determine you should be talking to about. Determine whether you're, making, you're making the argument as though the Supreme Court had granted cert and you got to re Keller in front of the Supreme Court. That's not where we are today.
1: Well, Certainly, Your Honor. I've moved on to my second point. I, I which, know it. With I'm addresses. talking about the second point. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I understand Your Honor's question. You're arguing the merits of Keller. No, Your this Honor. Court. I, my position, what
0: I'm trying... You forgive me, exactly Your Honor. You said exact scrutiny me. is required for the membership question and. It's for the question in front that the Supreme Court expressly stated it was not decided. Forgive
1: that's me, arguing, I did not mean to interrupt That's
0: arguing the merits of whether Keller should be modified or overruled, which only the Supreme Court can do. Yes, Your Honor. Keller left this
1: question open. Okay. If this court hold, believes that the question is controlled by Keller, of course the court must follow Keller. And that's the that case closed.
0: What do you envision our revised opinion on the, on the second issue would say?
1: That Keller did not address this question. After Janus, it is plain that the standard of scrutiny that's applicable is this exacting scrutiny standard. Therefore, Lathrop cannot control here. And the government bears the burden of proving that it cannot attain its compelling government interests by any substantially less restrictive alternative. And the fact that 20 therefore, states- therefore,
0: you haven't told me what my last sentence is.
1: And the fact that 20 states already regulate the practice of law without engaging in this kind of infringement on associational freedoms
0: I, is dispositive of the question. I'm a court judge. I've got to have a disposition. You haven't told me what the disposition is. You've just told me what you want the, bottom, the final answer to be. The disposition what would be the, reversal of the la- district is, court's what opinion. Is, what are we doing? And therefore, we what?
1: Reverse the district court's opinion that it previously affirmed.
0: And now we get to the crunch. And judgment for the for Mr. Keller. But I mean, sorry, Mr. Mr. Flex. I thought, sorry, you, I thought, I thought you were going to say you, you were going to have us you were going to have us do exacting scrutiny with no record. Well, Your Honor, the, the record is.
1: All, there is a record before this court. That record is sufficient to when demonstrate. A when a
0: different legal standard applied.
1: The d- record is sufficient to demonstrate that there are substantially less restrictive methods by which the state can attain its objectives. Oh, I'm sorry, Your
0: Honor. Know. I'd like to you just say that because so saying it makes it so. The record doesn't establish that. That's your position. It's been argued, but there's been, there's been no countervailing uh, assessment of. Assessment, there's been no assessment of countervailing facts. I don't think I understand Your Honor's question, but I, I'd like to reserve whatever. No, I want to know how we could, under could, your view of a perfect word, we could do anything but remand.
1: The, the court has before it, a qu- the question of whether Keller controls on this question for Agostini purposes. If it holds that it does, then it simply re- repeats what it said previously. If it holds that it does not, then the question is, has the state demonstrated or that beyond or i mean uh, uh, by this applicable standard of scrutiny that it cannot attain its compelling interest in a less restrictive way and if the court finds that that burden has failed has not been demonstrated here it then remains to the district court for fact finding on that question and so forth but that's the question before this court did your pleading in the district
3: court raise a complain about joining the association separate from
1: funding it uh, yes, Your Honor. We raised both questions of association and the funding question. Well, we the said, funding is association, too, I assume. Yes, that, that is true. They do certainly overlap. But our point, uh, what we well, said in the, What other objection do you have to the funding other than association? Association is a right in and of itself. Being I know. required to be a member of the bar, and SBAND calls itself the state's official representative I know, of the I legal know. profession. I'm just saying that
3: your challenge to the funding must also be... A claim that it breaches your right of association. Yes, that does also reach right. the right of association. But your briefs seem to talk about joining and funding yes, together. Your Honor. and together. those are two separate conditions. I mean, when you're forced to be, when you are a I member. No, I'm a just club. wondering if you've switched entirely your position on Keller and Lathrop. I'm trying to understand why you're also switching entirely your position on whether joining and funding go together or whether they're separate claims. They are separate claims, Your Honor. What about the record? If I go back and look in the district court, what's it going to show about whether
1: it was well on the question of being the question of being compelled to join uh, an association? We said at the beginning that Keller presently controls here. Our position is that Janus has changed the underlying law to such a degree that this court must, under Agostini, determine whether Keller is still is indeed the controlling applicable law. If it is, again, we lose on that you're pa- point you sticking with
3: your concession that Keller was controlling before. That's right. It, under that position, then certainly the judgment would have to remain the no, same. I'm asking on whether you're sticking with your concession that Keller was controlling
1: before Janus. Uh, no, Your Honor, I don't believe that Keller was controlling like before Janice. You. So you're abandoning but your prior position our, but on No, that. Your Honor, we said Keller was then controlling, but as a result of, uh, I'm sorry, I've, I've been a bit befuddled by Your Honor's question. <laughs> Forgive me. What did you, could you? Well, be- I think you just, uh, you've switched two or three times okay. here.
3: You said in your original papers that Keller was controlling on this issue. Yes, Your Honor, Apparently. we did say that. Keller was controlling the that Then you said now Janus has undermined the foundations of that, and we should analyze it under Agostini. That's right. So then I asked, are you sticking with your view that before Janus was decided, Keller was controlling?
1: Forgive me, Your Honor. The answer to that question is yes. I'm sorry to have been confused. So you're saying before
3: Janus was decided, Keller was binding on this court. That was our position at that time. It's still your position
1: that... Looking now, back. Now, uh, counting, of course, the fact that this court cannot be bound by a legal concession of that sort. This court has an obligation to interpret the law on its own. And uh, the cases that we've cited you're in the, the plaintiff. I mean, You're the plaintiff. We have said that when the
3: government concedes things in criminal cases and the like. But you're the plaintiff bringing this action. And you're telling us, we're not asking you to do anything on the joinder claim because Keller is controlling. You're saying we should ignore that and and uh, and uh, I, re,
1: you know, uh, advocate on your behalf some other position. Certainly not, Your Honor. Or well, Our position is that this court is not bound by a legal concession of that sort. Now, it is true that well, we it's stated that the law that. of the
3: case. Let's put it that way. Okay, Your Honor. Could be, could be the
1: law of the case. I was just trying to understand why I hadn't you, considered that question. Your Honor. Pardon me. I, I I hadn't considered that, but okay. the point is that Keller. This court, after Janus, is required to determine whether Keller controls. And if it controls, then, of course, it rules yeah, as a but,
3: uh, but you see, it's a lot different whether we're doing an Agostini analysis, starting from the premise that Keller was binding before, or whether we're starting from scratch and just acting, you know, taking this from the beginning as though we have to decide whether Keller even applies. That's why I was trying to find I out see whether you. you're I staying you're with... with you. And I think what you're telling me is your position was and is that before Janus, Keller was controlling. Yes, Your Honor, that was our position. And now you want us to say, in light of Janice, Keller is no longer
1: controlling. That's exactly right, Your Honor. OK. Well, thank you, Your Honor. I apologize for going over time.
0: Your cert petition eliminates any waiver you petitioned for certiorari review of the, of the Keller decision. You didn't, you, 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 CERT would not be denied because you didn't argue that to the, to a panel of the Eighth Circuit which ruled that Keller was controlling. You, you, you can take on certiorari to the Supreme Court an issue that, that, the the Circuit Court, that panel considered to bound. Yes, Your Honor. So I don't understand the, I don't understand the, the state's waiver position. You petitioned for CERT. And on on the Keller issue, plus that's the, right. plus the opt, uh, opt-in issue,
1: that's right, Your Honor.
0: And the Supreme Court did not deny cert; they vacated and remanded for further consideration. <laughs> that's right, Your Honor. I don't think waivers in, uh, waivers an issue because of because well, there's no argument that you were not, you were precluded that cert had to be denied on the on the Keller issue because of the position you took before our panel in the Eighth Circuit.
3: Well, you can always argue to overrule the well, Supreme you, Court to overrule a case that you think is binding on the Court of Appeals. That's right, right Your Honor.
0: Right. But instead, that would it, and that's what they, and that's what you argued. And the Supreme Court's response was to send it back to. That's us. right, Your Honor. And now the state says, "Well, you, we can't do anything on remand because of your prior waiver." I think I, I think that's a non-starter.
1: I agree, Your Honor. I think it doesn't make sense because of what I've said before that this that that Janus does substantially alter the background on which Keller was based, which was that, at the time, Keller, refers, referring to Lathrop, says that the proper standard of scrutiny for the associational concerns that were raised but not decided in that case is rational basis review, that the yeah. state could have reasonably believed that forcing lawyers to join the Bar Association would advance its compelling interest. That's got an Agostini problem if you're saying that Keller was binding before I, I agree, Your Honor. I, I agree that, that, that it does a raise the Okay. a concern in that regard. Yeah. Forgive me if I was, if I failed to articulate that, but that is our position. I apologize for going over time, Your Honor. Well, no,
0: our fault. <laughs> Mr. Bakke?
2: Good afternoon, uh, Justices of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. I'm Randy Backey and I represent the State Bar Association of North Dakota and related officers. We call the State Bar Association of North Dakota S-Band. Um, and the, the United States Supreme Court decision in Janus has no effect on this case. But let me start out by discussing some of the fundamental flaws. Uh, in Mr. Fleck's position. It was interesting for me to hear that they say our dues notice is not Keller compliant. In fact, in this case, Judge Hovland, the district court judge, required the parties to be involved in preparing the dues notice for SBAT and to prepare the Keller policy. And so Mr. Fleck's attorneys were involved not Mr. Sandefier, because he wasn't involved in the case at that time, but they helped prepare our dues notice to make sure it was Keller compliant. They helped prepare the Keller policy language, and they approved it.
0: I, but his argument wasn't that the, the, the form isn't Keller compliant, it's that it's not Janus compliant.
2: I think what he said was the form is confusing. Um, and the,
0: he said a lot of things. It has it, but he, he said it contains a presumption that is unconstitutional under Janus you want, You want it
3: to require them to take the money out because the inertia factor will get you more money right if people don't subtract something well in, in and so all the question is whether that's also a constitutional whether that's a constitutional problem or whether the fact that the person has the choice to reduce and send the check for the l- lesser amount is satisfactory
2: I, I don't think it is a concern, and this court already determined in its prior decision that we had an opt-in procedure which was compliant. Now, the Janus decision does not require an opt-in procedure.
3: All right. well that's the question. We didn't say it was compliant with Janus, so go ahead and and address that.
2: Sure. Yeah, the the opt-in procedure which was previously addressed by this court where the court said we have an opt-in procedure is constitutional and uh, preserves the First Amendment rights. Janus didn't address in any way that there's a requirement for opt-in. It doesn't say that. What this boils down to is they don't like our opt-in wait minute, procedure.
0: Wait a minute. It, it it said that it has there has to be affirmative consent. Now I can't think of of, of more parallel or, or uh equal language than opt-in and affirmative consent.
2: I, I, I totally agree. They're they're synonymous. Okay.
0: Well so Janice did does require affirmative consent, which which stated another way is an opt-in procedure, which we characterized your present form as being. The question is, is it good enough under Janice's affirmative consent requirements?
2: And I think it is. And here's the reason why. And I think the court's prior decision that this was opt-in that has clear affirmative conduct and prior notice is in November of each year, the notice goes out to the attorneys. And so in terms of this not being prior to them renewing their license, that's simply not true. They have over 30 days to look at the form to read the Keller policy, which was provided with each dues notice. So this is clearly affirmative consent. And bear in mind here, there's some other significant differences between our situation uh, and the uh, Janus case. That case was a public union case only involving compelled fees. We have no compelled fees. We don't compel. We, th- this is not a situation where there's an employer, and employee. This is not a collective bargaining situation. We take a very small percent for non-germain expenses, less than 3% for those individuals who elect affirmatively to pay that amount. And when they write that check, they make an affirmative decision just like they do on our form. If they want to contribute to the pro bono fund, if they want to contribute to the North Dakota Bar Foundation, if they want to be a member of any of the committees, those are all things that are going to affect that final number that gets written on, on the sheet. Why, why not have them add in instead of subtract out? Isn't that, isn't that kind of the nub of their concern? I think that is the nub of their concern, but they have not cited to a single case anywhere let alone U.S. Supreme Court precedent that requires a specific methodology for how opt-in works. There is no case that
0: requires that. And There's two paragraphs in Part 7 of Janus, and they get pretty specific.
2: But in Janus, once again, that's a
0: compelled fee
2: situation. We do not have a compelled fee situation. This is strictly voluntary. You don't have to pay...
0: Wait, wait. The, the membership, the, the core dues... Compelled fee, if you want to be a lawyer,
2: the, the the court. Well, in fact, it doesn't get paid to us; it gets paid to the North Dakota oh, Board
0: wow. of, of Law Examiners. It's an integrated bar, right? That means it's an integrated that, bar. The, that the license and the membership are integrated,
2: right? But the activities that are done, there's a separation
0: there. I understand that the what you're ta- I understand what you're saying is not a compelled fee. That's correct. But the payment the lawyer is making is a compelled fee.
2: Except for the question was asked by Justice Colleton. Did he, in fact, in this case, request to pay the fee but not associate? And he said he thought he did that. He did not do that. In fact, that fee gets paid in full to the North Dakota Bar Exa- Board of Law examiners. And then after that, they allocate funds to us for regulatory for function.
0: Well, I think it's... He asked if he asked not to associate, you'd have said... Well, you have said no or referred it to the Supreme Court for removal from the, the attorney rolls. Yeah. I, I think, what I, would, I,
2: I, I think I, what I would have said in response to that question would be that we have binding precedent, and when we talk about an exacting scrutiny standard, the Harris v. Quinn case, which very specifically reaffirmed Keller and Lathrop, is an exacting scrutiny case. And so we're not conceding exacting scrutiny applies, but this issue has already been through exacting scrutiny Uh, in the Harris v. Quinn case, where they specifically found that bar dues are allowable so long as it's for the regulation uh, of the practice of law and in order to improve the quality of legal services. They also said in Harris v. Quinn, states have a strong interest in having the lawyers pay costs to enforce lawyer ethical rules, not the public. And the specific words that they used in Harris v. Quinn, applying the exacting scrutiny your, your, standard.
0: Your position today is that Judge Hovland conducted exacting scrutiny.
2: I, I'm not saying that Judge Hovland uh, uh, did exacting scrutiny. Um, what I'm saying here well, is. how
0: can you say Harris has already covered this issue?
2: Because Harris is an exacting scrutiny case, just like Janus is. Now,
0: Harris is what they're relying on to to uh, ask ask us to to change change our prior position in light of Janus. I understand they're affirmed that exacting scrutiny is the standard for some, if not all, First Amendment association issues.
2: Right, Right. And exacting scrutiny was applied in Janus, but the the Supreme Court did not indicate exacting scrutiny applies to, to bar associations. And there's some significant differences there why it may they may determine it's not exacting scrutiny. My only point is the very case they. Didn't they,
0: they cite re- JCs? I'm sorry. Didn't didn't Janus cite JCs and and other uh, compelled speech cases other that
2: other than the Keller and Lathrop? Keller and Lathrop were not cited anywhere in the Janus decision,
0: well, I, I, except for the dissent. Correct. I, I don't understand your argument. You're somehow saying because the Supreme Court has applied exacting scrutiny in four or five different positions and reaffirmed that that's a, often a controlling standard, that somehow that means what?
2: I think what it means, and this is a simple point, is that if you look at the Janus decision, they cited to Harris v. Quinn over 35 times. It's on almost every page. But yet they never said that Harris v. Quinn is overruled. They never said that even in that case where exacting scrutiny was applied. I, OK,
0: I agree with that. Where does that take us? I think that
2: No, I, I think that takes us to the Agostini analysis.
0: What's the Agostini analysis?
2: The, the Agostini analysis here is we have three cases of bind, binding precedent, precedent specifically allowing integrated bars. Those three cases are the Lathrop case, the Keller case, okay. and the okay. Harris case.
0: I didn't, know
2: that. I didn't know that was what you meant. Sure. And, and so, uh, the Supreme Court has not said.
0: But none of those, well, none of those three cases addressed the membership issue other than in a funding or subsidized funding context.
2: Well, except for Keller did give examples of things that are permissible as non-political, non-ideological. And they also gave examples of things that would be considered political and ideology uh, situations. But we
0: ignore the last paragraph in Keller.
2: No, I'm not saying we're
0: not what we're not deciding.
2: No, I'm not saying you ignore that, but I think there's a significant difference between labor unions. What SBAN does is we regulate. We regulate lawyer conduct. We regulate ethical rules. We we regulate I know,
0: but that exacting scrutiny always depends upon what you're scrutinizing.
2: (laughs) I understand that. And that's why the cases say it's context related. The court has to look at the context of the situation which in this case is of our association that doesn't get compelled fees. We regulate, and, th- and that's what we do,
0: and we do things to improve. You concede that, that, that neither Lathrop nor the prior decisions in this case have conducted exacting scrutiny of the membership issue.
2: It's unclear to us what the level of scrutiny was in Keller and what it was in. I didn't
0: say Keller, I said Lathrop and this case.
2: Uh, in in Lathrop, um, I don't know precisely what the standard, what whatever it was, we think have, it's- you
0: haven't read that uh, Justice Brennan's long dissertation of the balancing of interests he conducted? I I have, Your Honor. And you never saw the word scrutiny in there, did you?
2: I did not, Your so Honor.
0: I didn't see the word exacting or strict.
2: No, and 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 that's why I say I don't.
0: You, what you basically saw in substance is the Wisconsin Supreme Court and Legislature acted reasonably. Right, based, and, I mean. In today's vernacular, rational basis review.
2: In that case, that holding has been tested, once again in Keller, once again in Harris v. Quinn. It was B. not Quinn.
0: tested in Keller. It, okay. was, it was as to fun- on the funding issue. Correct. It was not on the membership issue, the compelled speech issue.
2: Right. But Janus involves compelled speech, not freedom of association. And that's a significant difference no, between Janus no, and I... I
0: no, compelled, compelled speech is the freedom of association. There's a membership compulsion, and there's a funding compulsion. I I understand. They are, are, as a practical matter, they're different. May or may not be subject to different
2: First Amendment analysis. But our point is, we don't restrict speech of any lawyers in any way, shape, or form.
0: You compel
2: for purposes of regulation and improving the quality of legal services. And, and a lo-
0: everything is, that every every time SBAN takes a public position, it is implicitly, the First Amendment argument is, that is implicitly the position of every member of the association. And this is a compelled membership. And therefore, I'm being compelled to to have Stated in my name, views that I dis- political views I disagree with,
2: and when we do that, we comply with the Hudson factors, and and we go beyond Hudson. Yeah,
0: that's, the, that's that's the funding side of it.
2: Well, that's also the side of it in terms of the notice, because under Hudson, one no, of no, the no, things but
0: Hudson was Hudson and, and Knox, they're all funding questions.
3: These people can't opt out of being members at all. They can only opt out of paying additional amounts,
2: right, for the ideological speech. To to, to my knowledge, there's never been a situation where someone has asked to opt out of the association. But I think that's
3: what they're saying now. We want to opt out of the association. We don't want to be compelled to join it. Now, whether they've properly raised it, I've got to go back and look. But they could say, for example, we don't want to be a member. We're willing to pay the dues if uh, uh, if it's necessary for the CLE commission and so forth. But we don't want to be compelled to be members of this Bar Association that then is going to go lobby on causes that we disagree with. Yeah. Now, what about that? What about that concern?
2: Well, um, with all due respect to Mr. Sandefier, it's kind of a moving target here. So that is not part of the record. But in terms of the association issue um, at present, the way the system is set up since 1921, so almost 100 years, through the legislature, and these are statutes both for the North Dakota Board of Law Examiners and for S-Band. The procedure is, in their wisdom, for a small state with us with small resources, small funding, what they have determined fits best is for the money to go to the North Dakota Board of Law Examiner, and then from there, we get part of that money, seventy-five dollars for lawyer discipline. Uh, part of it uh, goes into a client protection fund. All of these things are regulation and in, in the interest of, of law. So, in terms of, but couldn't you do all that without deeming everybody in the state to be a member of your association? I don't know whether that's possible or not. I think it would be extremely difficult, and it's not constitutional.
0: If we go through the analysis of, under exacting scrutiny, as I understand it. It's always the question of are you using the least restrictive means to achieve the compelling state interest. Now this discussion and the briefs all assume that the either or is mandatory or non-mandatory bar. That strikes me as absurd on its face. One restriction is if you're going to have a mandatory bar it may not take political positions. So your option would be the California option, as it's been described in the Amicus Briefs. All of these things would be would be live game if if Janus requires a a, a reconsideration of of Keller of the of the issue. even a consideration of the issue that Keller did not expressly did not address, right?
2: I would say two things in response to that. One, I would say under Keller, they have said, and then once again in Harris v. Quinn, that they believe the state has an interest in regulating lawyers and not passing that cost onto the public, that the lawyers should regulate themselves. So that's why it's significantly different, because there's ethical rules and there's other things. The second thing I would say is that the standard that was set forth in the Janus case, was not the least restrictive method. That's what they are arguing. They argue in their brief that it should be the least restrictive. What what Janus said is significantly less restrictive, which is a different standard than the least restrictive.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so take my my hypothetical. The question wouldn't be least. It would be, is there a substantially less restrictive way to do this?
2: No. We don't. We don't believe that there is. No.
0: You don't. But the argument could be not either go mandatory or not, either go voluntary, or stop being political, stop your political activities.
2: Hey,
0: and we separate in, which, in, in either case, the Bar Association can continue to <clears throat> collect from its members the, the money that's needed to sc- achieve the compelling state interest of regulating uh, and, and um, uh, supervising the bar.
2: I understand the argument, uh, but the reality is we really are not involved in political. But the ab-
0: question I see is whether that argument is the, whether the Supreme Court, by remanding, has put that argument on the table.
2: I, I don't think and you're they.
0: You're just ha- assuming. You're just you. Both sides today are just going right to the merits of the argument.
2: Well, I'm I'm looking at argument. the Janus case and looking at it and see whether or not there's anything that would affect integrated bars, and there's nothing in there that affects integrated bars. We have three cases of controlling precedent, and under Angostini, in all due respect to the court, that decision as to whether they're going to reverse those three cases of significant precedent should, in all due respect, be done by them.
0: But the question, since, since they aren't controlling on their face, what bothers me is when the Supreme Court is urged to use Janus, a union case, as a vehicle to grant this cert petition, and also consider Keller, and they decide the Janus issue, um, and that's the second. That's the that's the opt-in, opt-out issue we've got. And but they don't stop there. They vacate and remand. Huh. And and if does that does that tell us that as I read. Keller, Lathrop, and <clears throat> um, Janice, it's not really, Keller, Keller is not really controlling. It's been treated by everybody as controlling, but that's just because the way people have read it, and the Supreme Court and Keller said, that's a whole issue that wasn't taken up before the California Supreme Court, and you raise it to us, and we're not going to be the first ones to go there. Now are they telling us Go be the first ones to go there.
2: Or are they telling this court that they want a circuit court of appeals to apply Keller and say, Keller, Harris, Lathrop are still valid law. There are significant state interests. Then they in- could have
0: just vacated and remanded on the opt-in issue and denied cert on the other issue.
2: Sure. And, and it's difficult to read the tea leaves. I-
0: but that's what we've got to do.
2: Sure.
3: I understand. Let me ask you a question about, is this your form? yes um our form on page uh, 348 of the appendix is that your form it's uh, 348
2: you, the joint yeah. appendix
3: where do, where does the 380 dollars come in is that only in the explanatory materials that are attached where it says if you have five years of practice you pay 380 so it's never listed on this this form that the lawyer signs.
2: Correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a sliding scale depending upon how many years you've been. Well, I know that,
3: but I'm asking why. I'm wondering why it isn't just listed right on the statement of license fees due. But you have to read the backup materials to get your base That's amount, huh?
2: That's right, and it and it's been such a long standing amount. Um, that basically all, right. all the lawyers So you it. go
3: to that. The way this works is you go to the backup papers. You say, I've been five years or more practicing. I owe 380. Correct. Then you can add in, if you want to, a section or a, fo- or a bar foundation amount. Yes. You can, or you can do nothing there. And same with pro bono fund. And then if you don't want to pay for the political stuff, you subtract 1007. That's correct. Now, what, do you know why the bar has that set up as a subtraction as opposed to saying your dues are three sixty nine and ninety three cents, and then have another opportunity to add something here?
2: No, all, all I can say is that this was approved by Fleck and his counsel, and was approved um, as as part of the process. Because recall that in the beginning of this case, when it started, we were not Keller compliant, and we conceded that. You mean
3: Fleck actually signed off on this as part of a settlement agreement? Or no, it can't be. I mean, there's a lawsuit. Uh, What do you mean Fleck agreed to it?
2: What happened was when this lawsuit started, we did not have a Keller policy at all. And when they brought this lawsuit um, very early in the case, Judge Hovland said, let's see if we can resolve this issue. You aren't Keller compliant. We're going to rule against the Bar Association and the Board of Law Examiners. Let's see if we can get this resolved. And the result of that was that this form was developed jointly by the attorneys for Mr. Fleck and by... I don't know what you
3: mean by jointly, because he sued then on the ground that this form is not compliant. I mean, you didn't get a stipulation from him that it complied with the First Amendment, apparently, or you would have...
2: He agreed in both the district court level, and, and it's part of Judge Hovland's decision... That we are Keller compliant, and they concede that. that oh, should, I
3: see. You mean he took that position and just argued, "I'm going right. to ask the Supreme That's Court right, to That's right, because he Keller? was involved yeah, in preparing right.
2: the form through well, his attorneys. Well, he
3: hasn't
4: really been. Yeah.
2: Okay. We did redline versions, and they went back and forth with language until everybody agreed we were but Keller.
0: It was not a fighting issue at the time of the final order, as the, as, as the district court. It it, it had, had been res- This. This process.
2: That's correct. The, the, by the time uh, Judge Hovland entered his summary judgment order in this case, that was a completely resolved issue. We did that very early in the case. What Re- was a resolved issue? The, the, the form? Ca- that, we, the, that we were Keller compliant.
3: Even the opt-in,
2: opt-out Yes, point. yes, exactly. They approved this very language in this case. We had redline versions of the Keller policy and the dues notice. All
0: They brought it up on appeal. Yeah, it wasn't, how did that, that happen? Our panel did not, did not rule that this has been waived in the district. I don't
3: remember the first time around that you said they stipulated that it, this form was yeah, compliant. It,
2: it, it wasn't, wasn't an issue at that point. Now they've reversed yeah, their position.
3: No, no. On the first appeal, they were arguing this is an impermissible opt-out.
2: I think their position has always been, yes, you're right, that they claimed this was an impermissible opt-out. But the reality of the situation is they were involved in the process. I don't, I'm, I'm happy to continue answering questions. Nine, but that,
0: was, that was the last four pages of our panel decision, was the opt-out issue
2: argued I agree. on the
0: basis of NOx.
3: I agree. Yeah. I just don't remember you saying, hey, they agreed
2: that this form complied with
3: the opt-out. Uh,
2: and, and I've gone through the hearing transcript before, and, and I did not say that. But that, that is what happened. <laughs> it so, is what happened. Now, yeah, so. Um, but um, Mr. Nikolai, who represents the North Dakota Bar of Law Examiners, reserved three minutes. But I've now used his time. I don't know what the court's thoughts.
0: Have, have the, has he used the joint time? Or did you split, did you split it up? I, split, you, I like him, the joint.
4: I split it. I'll give Mr.
0: Nikolai two minutes.
4: Mr. Sandifer was over by 5.
0: Thank you, Your Honor. Mr.
4: Baki's over by 11.
0: I can't hear you. Did you, the time up here was supposed to be their total 15 minutes?
2: They had 12 and 3.
0: Pull the, pull the microphone down. Come on.
2: They had 12 and 3.
0: No, we don't do it that way. They have 15, they get to split it up. Um, did he use, how many minutes did he use?
4: Mr. Baki has used 13 minutes.
0: Okay then we, there's two left. OK. Thank you, Your Honor.
4: May it please the Court, opposing counsel, I'm Jim Nichol. I represent uh, Penny Miller and the State Board of Law Examiners. <clears throat> and I guess I'd just like to jump right to the funding side of this is the, is the only issue for my client. If there's some distinction between the funding and the subsidization subsidization, uh, cases and a separate issue with association, uh, we are only involved in in funding pursuant to statute. And so uh, from that standpoint, um, we believe that that Keller does control. And uh, we can look at what... Uh, the Supreme Court itself characterized as Keller's holding in Harris v. Quinn. And what, how the Supreme Court itself characterized-
0: What we've been calling the opt-in issue, do you think Keller is still controlling?
4: No, I think Keller controls with respect to the funding, the subsidization, the subsidization, as opposed to the last paragraph that- The, the attack on that is that the, the, the is.
0: Is still unconstitutional because it's the, the consent is not
4: validly obtained.
0: Right, but we. I, from,
4: I, I don't understand funding issue versus that issue. Our client is not involved in the form. Our client is involved in pursuant to statute, providing money to a regulatory agency from the state standpoint that performs regulatory services for the state. And Keller, what what the Supreme Court itself characterized as Keller's holding is, uh, in Harris Quinn, they said, in Keller, we held that members of this bar could not be required to pay the portion of the bar dues used for political or ideological purposes, but that they could be required to pay the portion of the dues used for activities connected with proposing ethical codes and disciplining bar members. That is what the State Board of Law Examiners' role is in this. Pursuant to statute, we fund S-band. We don't engage in speech. We neither require nor prohibit S-band from engaging in speech. Um, We simply fund pursuant to statute. And um, I think it's a fair question for Mr. Sandifer when he gets back up here is what part of the statutory scheme, from the standpoint that I'm defending North Dakota's statutory scheme, what part of the statutory scheme deals with compelled membership in S-Band. Uh, the statutory scheme deals with funding. And we believe that Keller controls, but we also believe that Janice did not change anything about the actual holding of Keller. That last paragraph that Judge Loken you referred to, in Keller was in Keller before Janus. It's in Keller after Janus. So the question is, There's a distinction between whether Janice changed anything about the holding of Keller or whether it undermined some of Keller's reasoning. But that's an important distinction with respect to the concession that uh, Mr. Fleck made, as it affects my client. This case would have looked.
0: If that's right, it seems to me the Supreme Court's order would have been cert denied. Well so i mean the supreme court saw something left to to worry about the impact that the could not have thought the impact of janus on this on this cert petition was zero
4: i see my time's up your honor may i answer no okay.
0: because i don't i'm not quite sure i understand the difference between the appellees and the statute versus the supreme court and the bar association processes but i'm not sure where how that affects our resolution of the Supreme Court's remand?
4: Well, again, I'll, I'll echo what Mr. Uh, Baki said. I don't think you can read anything into the tea leaves of what happened. I mean, that this was conferenced eight times, and one of the arguments that we made was
0: this cert petition.
4: Yes, yeah. One of the, and that's, one of
0: that's very telling.
4: One of the arguments we made was that. Uh, one of the choices the Supreme Court had was to send this back down because um, we the the circuits hadn't none of the circuits or no district courts had yet addressed whether Janus would have an impact on the Keller line of cases, and I think it's telling uh, we concede that. Keller and Lathrop don't specifically refer to exacting scrutiny, but Harris v. Quinn was an exacting scrutiny case. And uh, the Supreme Court said that, uh, that they applied exacting scrutiny and still distinguished Keller, which I think at least implicitly says that if exacting scrutiny had been applied in Keller, uh, it would have survived that scrutiny. And I don't think this court can ignore uh, what they what was said in Harris v. sounds like
0: cert denied to me, but I understand. Uh, I think I understand where.
4: I, I see my time is up. If the court has any other questions, I can entertain them. But otherwise, we'd stand on our brief.
0: Good. Well, the, the supplemental briefs were very helpful. Thank As, you, as, uh, as have the lawyers all along. Uh, is there any time for rebuttal? No, okay. I, well, I think the case issues have been thoroughly uh, briefed and argued. The case is uh, complex and important, and we'll take it under advisement. The court. Let's see. The court will be in recess.